on, listeners. Salutations. See Valus Valeo. Valamogulis. Nanu nanu. Thank you for tuning in. This is Three Men in a Basement, and we are the Ultra Crepidarians. My name is Colin McLeod. Mark Alpierre. Action Jackson. You have arrived. Welcome. Welcome. In this movie-themed podcast, we, the Ultra Crepidarians, like to review movies and then deliver to you our opinion about whether or not they're worth your time going to see them. We try and target movies that are not total blockbuster smashes. We also aim for ones that are not super-duper obscure, so... um. You know, we're not, like, taking anybody's, like, fourth-grade dance recital, but we're also not doing a but, stabwa. But perhaps a fifth-grade dance recital might... It's possible. Right, that's why I said fourth-grade. is That's the cutoff. Look, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was, I, like, I was, I was trying to be, like, explicit I, I, about that. Okay, I didn't mean to, like, you know, be rude about it. Just I mean, it depends be... on the t- type of dance, too, though, right? Right. Like, we're not just... Not any kind of dance. Like no. A, that's... Like a square dance? I think it's pronounced square dance? Square. I, th- I think we, we'd focus more exclusively on, like square dancing mm-hmm. and like the Shenyun style Chinese dance and like basically all the yes. other dances are garbage and we know yeah. that. We yeah, know that. line dances are all played out um, so that's that's not no. not an option. No, it's all hyperbole dance yes. right now. Break uh, dances have been broken for years. Yeah, it's so. true. Yeah, so back on track. Are we back on track? We're track. Are we tracking? Track adjacent. Yeah, okay, so we're tracking the VHS mm-hmm. that we popped in mm-hmm. of the movie that we reviewed and uh, we deliver to you uh, our opinion about whether or not you need to track down and watch it. This week, we reviewed the movie... Uh, Ghosts of Girlfriends... Uh, past! <laughs> wow. You like that? Yeah, you, you like that? Pretty good. You gave us a bit of a cliffhanger. Yeah. Thank you. Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. Should we lead off with cherries? Yes. Uh, this this was a cherry popper for me. Okay. Ooh, yeah. Ooh that's a good squish. Big, juicy cherry. That's a good squish. Mm-hmm. I, okay, so I went into this not really knowing if I'd seen it before. Uh, I think I have seen it, but I couldn't tell you how long ago, because, like, there were, like, notes that were familiar, but I, I would not have been able to stitch together the whole narrative prior to watching tonight. I've seen this movie probably ten times. So this movie as, like, a bit of a backstory for me. And, like, I feel like it was a time in my life where, like, I wasn't giving rom-coms their proper shred. Not to, like, spoil what the genres are, but, like, this is, like, the rom-comiest rom-com you can imagine. You know, I feel like I wasn't giving them the proper time of day. And I was working in a movie theater, and I had seen everything else, and so I stopped in for, like, a half an hour on my break to, like, check it out. And... I left the theater, like, howling just for, like, that half hour, and I was like, I have to get back into that theater to see the rest of this. And I literally, like, got off my shift, walked right into a theater after paying, because apparently you have to pay to see movies when you work at Goodrich Theaters. I can say that because they went out of business. Yeah, yeah, they're dead. Dragged their name through the mud. I never Um, paid for a single movie when I worked at Goodrich. um, (laughs) I wish I could say the same. Uh... Went right into the movie, and it was mucho funny, as the kids say nowadays. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so bought it when it came out, and I've seen it probably about ten times. So, overview of the movie. What genres we have for this? Uh, out, out of the Imdaba. So, Imdaba has this as romance, fantasy, and comedy. Yeah. Hmm. I think that's... Yeah, I, I would agree. There's another, like, super niche genre that I would throw at it once we get into spoilers... And I will defend why I would give it this, like, niche label. My favorite thing is that he already knows that he has to defend it. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, hang on, hang on. I'm, can I... I'm I, I, I don't... If it's what I think you're going to say, I don't think it's a spoiler. So can I, like, toss it out? And if it's a spoiler, like, we'll wrestle with it then? Because I think it's obvious based on... Okay, so, like, all right, I'll just toss it out. Okay, We can always edit it out. Were you going to say, like, spoof? 
Um, because like okay, sort you, of not to like sort of cats. You know, cats out of the bag, ghosts of girlfriends past. As you can imagine, it has the theme of a Christmas, Christmas carol, carol, and it's like you know three ghosts and they're showing you know some asshole the error of his ways yada 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 and the theme is slightly different but the mechanics are the same and so in that way it's sort of like a spoof or like maybe like a almost like a parody parody or a reimagining See, right I, I was gonna go really specific and call it like a christmas carol spoof specifically because there are other christmas carol spoofs out there and this even though it's, it's not a genre you know, once you see it coming, you know what the rest of the beat is going to be. And I, we'll I feel digest. like that's fair. I feel like they gave that away in the title in I some mean, way. I mean, they definitely right. did. Right. And if if you didn't get it from the title... But yeah, you would get it within the first five minutes of the movie. You know, you'd figure it out. Yeah, no, for sure. It's pretty obvious. Uh, also, I get the sense that the, su- the IMDb summary is going to be pretty revealing on this one. Uh, so, 2009 film rated PG-13... PG-13... Solid. Yep. Yes, I would say so. I would say, like, the subject matter, like, flirts with R. Yeah, But there's I mean, really not a great deal of, like, swearing or nudity. There's yeah. no it's nudity at all. extremely suggestive. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this movie could have had a lot of nudity in it. It yes. definitely had the potential for it. Yeah. The... Like, the entire movie virtually is about sex. Yeah, I feel like this was squarely PG-13, though. Like, I, I didn't feel... Yeah. I agree. Hour and 40 minutes? Uh, yeah. You know, honestly, it felt fast. I agree. But I feel like that's a hallmark of a good rom-com, right? Is I feel like rom-coms should move. Yeah. And, and there's... If a rom-com's dragging, uh, it is the worst. We've all seen <laughs> yeah. them. We all tacitly enjoyed them. But we, we have to admit, there are several rom-coms out there that it's just like, okay, okay, I know how this ends. Come on. Just wrap it. Come on. Put a bow on it. <laughs> yeah, this, this ended when it needed to. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Didn't linger, you well, and, know, we and got it the had closure. the benefit of having such a I'm gonna use the word prolific framework. I mean, it's literally It's a winning formula. Yeah. Because not only is rom com an insanely successful formula, but yeah. you're also taking the framework of the Christmas carol right. and you're overlaying that onto a rom com. So I feel like this was pretty much a slam dunk from the storyboarding. Yeah, um, a marriage of two, like sort of flawless structures. Yeah, it mm-hmm. was it was a home run. Um, we got to be careful with spoilers. I think. Well, and I I want to dump on it. Ooh, please do. Ooh, yeah. not, not in a negative way, but just like in a like. Yeah. I want to. I want to spill. Oh, the tea. I thought he was going negative with that. I was yeah, like, no, no, no. Oh shit! No, no. I'm trying. I, I can't I, wait. I want to <laughs> spill the tea. You know. Right. Should we? Should that we was like, it there? It was so American. He's out here spilling tea. Yeah. Tossing things in harbors. Yep. I've had just a, stirring up trouble. I've had an am. Uh, what is it? Uh, you know, in, in Arizona, perhaps. Maybe. Ooh. You know, maybe. Uh, How exotic. A Sobe. <gasps> I was really. I was. I, I, I initially, I thought he was talking about the Boston Tea Party happening in Arizona, and I was like, that, that is, would be. That's an ex- what happened, right? An exceedingly dry and unpleasant tea party. Yeah. That's why it was a disaster. To be honest, <laughs> the tea probably would be just fine. It's fairly arid. It's not going to mold. No. No party. I, you could sure. toss it in the in the bare, empty harbor with no water, and the English would be like, "All right, we're gonna go pick that up tomorrow after we've had a good night's sleep." You think about what you've done. <laughs> I mean, half that tea's going to California anyway, right? You don't they don't have, have far right to go. To, don't even have a right to it. But <laughs> the Arizona Tea Party. <laughs> the fucking, Arizona Tea. <laughs> fucking new band name. The Arizona Tea Party. <laughs> Just like a bunch of raisins with beards. You know. Oh my god, that would make such a good T-shirt too. 
You could have like the Arizona tea like pattern, and then just some some bitch like throwing tea into a a bare dry empty lake bed, and, and all of the people <laughs> are like raisins dressed like ZZ Top, just giving up. I don't know if I'm following the the it's raisins, the raisins the, with beards. Yes, yeah, the raisins with beards. Are these like the dancing raisins before like the. No, these are Arizona raisins. They're from Arizona. Arizona raisins. There's a Is lot a of. Thing? There's history to it. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I'm running with I'm this gonna, I'm, I'm yeah. going to do some Googling now. <laughs> yeah, no, Google it, Google it. Uh, Arizona, raisin, beard. That'll open up your whole life, really. Colin's um, a great Googleizer. You Google. I have you Googleized many things. So who's in this movie? Wait, we've got to do the uh, summary. Oh, we're yeah. Sum- oh, I thought we already... Well, we kind of did. We, we, we did. We talked yeah. about, you know, genres. It's really but, short. Sure. I will do the honors here. Uh, while attending his brother's wedding, a serial womanizer is haunted by the ghosts of his past girlfriends. <gasps> pom, pom. Ah. I'm okay. a little surprised they didn't cover the whole, like, Dickens angle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, there's a joke in there. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Uh, <laughs> I feel like the name... Yeah, It's a bit of a spoiler, though, isn't it? I don't think so. Maybe. I don't know. Ghosts of girlfriends past? I mean, no, not really. I guess if you... I feel like we do try to do a good job at like avoiding spoilers, but this one I'm I'm like totally happy to be like, yeah, that's what it's about. See, the thing is, the title alone doesn't necessarily give it away, but after watching a couple minutes, you will know. But like, Ghosts of Girlfriends Past is a turn of phrase, right? So it could have gone a different direction, but we all knew it wasn't. Right. And if you didn't, um, well, now congratulations. Didn't. Also, I feel like very few rom coms are like subject to ruining by spoilers. Yeah, I was I was just It is a the same. very yeah. like it's a very robust genre because again, it's it is without a doubt the most formulaic genre. It's you know fucking, how it starts, you know the middle, soup. you know how it ends. It it is. It's, it's chicken noodle soup. Right. That's why you're here. Yeah. Uh that and, was a great analogy, Mark. Well, well, right. You know, like and and coupling it with the familiar Scrooge angle, it just makes it even more familiar. So like you know exactly where this is heading and you almost are you already know the path that it's taking to to get there. I feel like that is also the reason why you get so fucking angry when somebody fucks up a rom-com. Yeah. Cuz you're like, <laughs> you know, like I okay, I I I like these two actors, but like the breakup with Vince Vaughn and yeah. Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. That was such a bad rom-com. And it's like, yeah, it's like they serve you up chicken soup. And they're like, but we did a little, we, we, we put a little spin on it. So so instead of chicken, it's tofu. And instead of root vegetables, it's horseradish. And you're like, I literally hate everything about this. Everything in this bowl. Except mm-hmm. for Jennifer, Jennifer Aniston's ass. That was the one redeeming value of that movie. Well, that is, that's just in general, that's a very, that's a fairly That's a national re- treasure. That's a redeeming thing. Right? Yeah. She has saved souls with yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. It's sort of like maple oatmeal, you know? Right. He, he tried to do it again. He, <laughs> yep. He swung and he missed, but... Yep. Oh, who you know, said it's, I missed? It's, it's about getting up to plate. Yeah. It's about getting up to... You don't know how many niche oatmeal <laughs> subgroups that listen to this podcast. I... They're going to eat that shit up. Listen. Wait, 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 hang on. What are they going to eat up? I mean... The oatmeal? The Quaker, man. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. I don't know. I've, I've, I've run out of oatmeal puns. You know, I had your back with the raisins with beards, wait, but hey, I draw the on. line at maple oatmeal. Hang on, hang on. I, I got you. I almost instantly ran out uh, of oatmeal puns. It's funny because oatmeal sometimes happens rapidly. So, Colin, would you instance. recommend this movie? I don't know, but if Mark keeps on with these Oatmeal puns, I'm going to steel cut him. (laughs) 
Uh, well, before we recommend, don't we have to talk about who who the f is in this? Who the f is in this? Who the f? Okay. All right. So let's let's break this down. We wait, got, no, hang on. Wait, you, well, you did that wrong. You did is. Uh, all right. 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 Yes, that's Jennifer Garner. Yeah. <laughs> she is in this. As yeah. Well. She. I believe that quote, the all right, all right, all right, I, I believe that came from her voice work as Mama Llama in uh, Llama Llama Red Pajama. Yeah. Mm. Is, that, is that accurate? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Mark's having a stroke. Mama Llama Jama Rama Chama. Okay. <laughs> I'd watch uh, that. Look, let's, let's address the Lincoln in the room. This is <laughs> Matthew McConaughey. All right? All right? All right. He's a treasure. Also, he is. He's fucking. He's so good. I, like he's handsome. He's a good actor. But th- let me let me back up before we compliment him too much. I feel like from a distance, he smells really good. He he smells like like leather and mahogany. Yeah, but I I venture to guess that once you get right up in his business, there's something aqua velva. Yeah, something you're not quite sure if you like. Dracar noir. It could be Dr- what? Dracaris. <laughs> it smells like fire. <laughs> I was gonna say like lightly burnt moss, but <laughs> yeah, like he's, a, he's 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 got a musk, but it's like it's that kind of scent that like you're uncertain about, but the scent's like oh no no no, you're certain, yeah, you're certain. Maybe you're it's gonna intentional. Like this. Maybe it's intentional. Yeah, like it's the, it's, it's a, a switch. It's a power know? move. If you're sniffing me this close and I don't want you to, you're not gonna like it. But if I want you to like it, I would buy that candle. He's gonna set the hook. Maca- Mahanahay? Yeah, I would I would buy that candle. You know, it makes your house smell really good, but when you mm. get up close to it, you're like, "Oh, what is that?" I need to leave. Like you don't, you don't linger. Yeah, it's inviting. It's, it's welcoming. It's like the perfect guest room trick. You want to make your bed just comfortable enough to sleep on for one night only. Exactly. See, I don't, I don't know if I agree with this. I, I feel like, I feel like that close maho- mahogany, ma- uh, uh, McConaughey musk. Ma- McConaughey, McConaughey, McConaughey. Is that a thing? That's a a fucking thing. McConaughey, McConaughey. New band name. I called it. McConaughey. How the fuck do you spell McConaughey? (laughs) McConaughey. I'm gonna forget how to say his name by the end of this. (laughs) McConaughey. Okay. Uh, I feel like I feel like that musk sets the hook when you get close enough. I, I think it does. I think, I think he, it's possible. Dude, that man exudes sex. Yeah. Which is why he's so good in this role. He's a master of rom-coms. Matthew McConaughey, you got him in what? You got him in this. You got him in Fool's Gold. You got him in uh, Failure to Launch. Right? Rain of mm-hmm. Fire. That's one of my favorite rom-coms. And then Rain of Fire. Yes, yes. Uh, I think the, that was more like sh- with the strict comedy with like a little bit of softcore porn. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Him and um, Gerard Butler. That scene, <sighs> steam. <laughs> Steam showers. Oh, yeah. Uh, but then he's great at, like, courtroom dramas, right? You got him in Lincoln Lawyer, Amistad, A Time to Kill. Oh, yeah. Like, Family Guy. Was he in Family Guy? He? I'm sure he's, he's probably been in The Simpsons, too. <laughs> but McConaughey, you know him. You love him. He's great. Yep. yep McConaughey yep. there. Uh, so we, we already talked Jennifer Jennifer Garner. I. Well, what do we know Jennifer Garner from? I mean, I know she's, like, a huge name actress. But... Alias. Alias, which I never really watched, but... She, she was in Daredevil, right? 13 going on 30. Oh, shit, she was in Juno. I forgot about that. <laughs> Everybody likes that. She plays she plays the wife in Juno that um, was going to have her baby, uh, or she was going to have the baby on behalf of. Yeah, she's in a lot. The Invention of Lying. She's just... She's been in so much. You know, you remember she was in um, Dude, Where's My Car? 
Was she? Yeah. She plays one of the girlfriends. Huh. Uh, let's see. We've got Emma Stone. God, I love her. Yeah, I think Emma Stone is amazing. And I love that, like, her role in this is, like, the awkward girlfriend. Whereas I think in, in other circumstances, she She's was... the hot one. Yeah. Yeah. I think I point to this as, like, one of Emma Stone's, like, most unsung roles. Because, like, I feel like even when she's a side character, she's still kind of a main character. Yeah. In this, she's she's truly a side character, and her, her role is so niche, and I feel like I can't imagine it as anybody else. The best she part... She crushed it. The best part, though, is even as a side character with very little screen time and very little dialogue, her portrayal stole the scene. She's arguably the most memorable character in yes. this whole mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, she stole the scene every time. Who else we got? We got Fucking Michael Kirk, Douglas. We got uh, Kirk Douglas's son. Kirk Douglas's son, yeah. Michael Douglas. He's up and coming, I think. Yeah. You know, he's he's had, you know, one or two kind of, you know, success stories and I think you know, I look forward to seeing more of his work in the future. Yeah, I really I'm really excited to see where his career goes from here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with a father like Kirk Douglas, right? You know, you're only going up. Yeah. Um, but no, Michael Douglas, you know him, you love him. He's a, amazing. G- give us, give us three. Uh, Fucking Wall Street. Wall Street. Classic. Gordon Gecko in Wall Street. Ant Man. More recently. Yep. I uh, yeah, I would say a lot of people will recognize him from from Ant Man nowadays. Uh, oh, the fucking Fatal Attraction with Glenn Co- oh. Glenn Close. He plays the he's the main character in that. I really enjoyed him in the Kaminsky Method. Oh my god, he was so good at that. <laughs> him and uh, uh, Alan Arkin were yes. so good. Yes. Um, he was in two. Phineas and Ferb. Was what? he? What? Yeah, he played Waylon. No way. Yeah. So, a little aside on Fatal Attraction. Apparently, this is a thing in Britain that, like, never caught on here, but in Fatal Attraction, spoiler, like, just skip ahead, like, 30 seconds if you don't want to hear this, but there's a very famous scene in Fatal Attraction where Glenn Close, who's obsessed with Michael Douglas, like, breaks into their family home and boils their pet rabbits, and in Britain, that scene, like, inspired this term, bunny boiler, to describe a, like, crazy or clingy former sex partner or ex-girlfriend. Wow. And I really want that term to, like, take root here. So if any Americans are listening, please start using bunny boiler. As, like, for your crazy ex. That for your crazy ex. wild. Yes. And I, I just thought that was such, like, a, like, how it takes root over there and not over here. Who knows? But You know, next time I talk about one of my crazy exes i'm gonna bring up i once dated a bunny boiler and suddenly i will be the center of attention yeah <laughs> i will have full control over that conversation because yes. how can you hear that and then go oh yeah wait we need to address what this. We, let's let's probe just a little further let's <laughs> let's 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 touch on that for a minute and then i think we can rapid fire through the rest right we got yeah. uh breck and meyer who was the lead in um road trip lacey chabert mean girls Oh, and also uh, Lost in Space. And uh, Eliza Doolittle. Or Eliza Thornberry, not Doolittle. Eliza Thornberry, yeah. yeah. She, and she was like the middle daughter in Lost in Space. Yeah. Very pretty. Anybody else we want to call out? Uh, the Sarge, real quick. And only because he reminded me of... Oh, what's, what is his Early name? Ermy? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Big time. You know, I think they were cut from the same cloth. Or at least in this movie, it appears as such. Yeah. I Rob- think they Robert wore Forrester. the same cloth. Robert Forrester was his name. Uh, we good on that? I think so. Uh, okay, so Rex, thumbs up, thumbs down. Two thumbs up from me. I greatly enjoyed this. Yeah, this this was good. I I'm not typically the one who's uh, thrown in the rom coms, and it's not like a you know I have enjoyed every rom com I think that I have like come across. 
Uh, it's just not usually my go-to. And this movie really has me kind of questioning that and that like I enjoyed it, I laughed. Would I have done so alone? I don't, I don't know. I think this movie is amplified, maybe like all rom-coms, amplified by who you're watching it with. Mm -hmm. It um, is typically a hallmark of rom-coms, I would agree. But yeah, no, definitely, definitely recommend this one. Uh, same. I would recommend this. Mucho funny. One good thing about this movie is it's like it's a, it's a really low investment, right? Like, again, we already talked about, like, you know exactly what you're going to get. There are very few surprises. But I think people will be pleasantly surprised at how witty it is and how so sort of the, the breath of new life that this movie gives. Both the Christmas Carol arc, but also the sort of standard rom-com arc. The jokes have great originality. And I yes. think that's uh, a key hallmark of a good successful rom-com is you take that formula that is so tried and true and successful, but you make it your own. You make it stand on its own two legs. And I think by writing such clever original jokes, they were really able to key in on that. Yeah. I, I also, I think that rom-coms don't slap like they used to. You know, I think that a lot of times rom-coms come out and it's, it's a fart in the wind. I, I have done that, by the way. Many times. Yeah, it's more polite. Yeah. Significantly. Yep. That's that's why I like people don't like to hang out outside my house. We're stuck in a basement with you. <laughs> uh, but like I don't know the, the, the chronology of the best rom coms, but like you know, this this movie feels like it transcends just a just a quick movie. You know, I, I don't know I don't know how to articulate what I mean, but like No, I agree. I, I think it's, this movie's on the tail end of the rom com glory days, which I would say came like I would say rom com glory days were like nineteen ninety five to like two thousand ten. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like were the fools rush day. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was the golden age of rom coms. And, you know, this movie came out in two thousand nine. So like right right as it was sunsetting, they were like, We're gonna get another good one in yeah yeah and now again it's, it's interesting too like a lot of rom-coms nowadays are just like packed full of celebrities and they're hollow oh god i hate it when they, they do don't, that like yeah. ensemble cast and valentine's it's, day it's just new year's day all of these but this movie is also crammed full of talent but that's not like the foot it leads with yeah no it's good uh are we ready to <laughs> you know he didn't get me he didn't get me until the sign off <laughs> it, was, it was it wasn't the duck sound it was the <laughs> literally sounded like the kind of shit that you would hear like you know back in the day when like television channels would actually like stop broadcasting right at, like uh you know at a certain time of night it sounded like the sound you hear right before it cuts to like static <laughs> this concludes our broadcast day <laughs> brought to you by wt4 five six just some <laughs> random string of like letters and numbers it doesn't matter none of this matters K how ktsx41 you gotta trip over your you gotta trip over what you're saying oh, and then trail you're not off, doing it right jackson and then you gotta trail off and try to like to try to like hide that like you lost what you were saying midway through it it's uh it's a tactic. Mar Mark's ability to like lean into it, like fucking slays. <laughs> he's, he's, he's he is top notch. Um, How's it start? Uh, okay, so I feel like we should try and go at a clip with this. Um, I the what, first ten minutes of the movie is boobs. What <laughs> one thing I I am a little worried about without the even boobs. in honestly even in spoilers is I think like as we've discussed. The bones of this movie are well-worn territory. It's it's 
you know, a Christmas Carol crossed with a sort of standard rom-com. The bones are you, you everything you would expect. The real like where this movie shines is the minutia. And so I worried about getting too too far in the weeds only in that I feel like something will be lost even if somebody doesn't mind spoilers. Mm-hmm. We go to like two in the weeds. So uh basically this movie opens with Matthew McConaughey who is clearly a sort of high-profile photographer. He's in charge. It's a very large operation. He's bouncing from, like, photo shoot to photo shoot. Clearly, everybody's taking direction from him. Loves his job. Sexy people abound. Oh, yeah. And it sort of quickly transitions into uh, sort of dropping hints about his social life, which suggests that this dude fucks. And I don't mean that in the sort of modern sense of the word, like, this guy fucks, like, this guy's so cool. It's like this dude literally does nothing but... Sex. But the sex. The the sexy time. And he does it many good, from what I understand. But coupled with that, no pun intended, is like a cold detachment uh, towards any type of romantic love, romantic attachment. He demonstrates pretty consistently early on and then throughout the movie that he is very willing to just sort of drop somebody the second it remotely gets serious and somebody starts to develop feelings. Um, Yeah, he's doing a a Vanity Fair cover shoot and very funny moment happens where the cover model is wearing lingerie and an apple on her head and she's like, you just want me to stand here? This is it? You just want me to stand with an apple on my head? And then a middle-aged Japanese woman named Keiko walks in with a bow and arrow. And suddenly she gets very concerned. But don't worry. She placed sixth in the Beijing Olympics. I I think eighth. I think she was even further back than sixth. I think she placed eighth. (laughs) Poor Keiko. She got robbed. She should have meddled. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And that's called out, too. Like, right before she (laughs) fires the arrow. Like, she didn't even meddle. Yeah. So, in very short order... He gets sort of reminded by his assistant that he needs to head to, where was he going? Um, Vermont, perhaps? I think it's Vermont, Like, very snowy, wintry, foresty type joint. Somewhere in New England. Somewhere in New England to this kind of old money style mansion that was formerly owned by his uncle. Uncle uh, Wayne! Who is now dead, played by Michael Douglas. And he heads up there for his younger brother's wedding and gets there sort of midday on a Friday with the expectation uh, that it's going to be rehearsal dinner on Friday and then wedding on Saturday. Mm. And the best part about weddings for those that are unattached is Bridesmaids. Yep. True story. It's a great movie. I think Melissa McCarthy truly shines. Oh, dude, she was amazing in that one. I've actually never seen Bridesmaids. Oh, Mark's cherry. So, unpopular opinion. One thing I will say is, like, I feel like Bridesmaids got unfairly compared to The Hangover. Yeah. And people are like, it's like the female version of The Hangover. And I'm like, it's not. It's funny for very different reasons. And as much as I like Bridesmaids, I much prefer The Hangover. That movie movie kills me. Uh, But I I did love both of them. Yeah, yeah. So, I think the the first few scenes that we kind of glossed over are reinforced here when he's, like, meeting the wedding party that he is a shallow dinner plate of a man. Very fancy around the edges. A gilded dinner plate. Quite. Oh, yeah. Quite. Um, there's a... And again, I, I, I don't want to necessarily go backward, but I think it is important for his character. His assistant is helping facilitate his breakups in bulk. 
he's got a different woman every night and his assistant is kind of like they're kind of cleaning up the mess a little bit so by the time we get to the wedding it's thoroughly established that he's fun to look at but you know he's not really the guy you necessarily want in your wedding no yeah, and he sort of makes that known with some very overt comments and, and declarations about his beliefs on romantic love and weddings, Ugh. and it's extremely uncomfortable. And like we said, the mansion was formerly owned by his uncle, and he ends up going to the restroom, and his uncle is taking a leak. So his... his and he's, from, by all accounts, fairly dead. Yeah... Yeah, so uh, <laughs> his his uncle had raised him. His parents had died early on, and his uncle had no interest in being a parent, had no interest in rearing a family, really. So all of his womanizing and... Debauchery. Yeah, was, was imprinted. So he's, he's definitely his muse, his late uncle. I'm going to push back slightly on that with Uncle Wayne. He did actually quite, from what I understand, like structure. He really liked straight lines. Mm. Uh, particularly lines of cocaine. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, That's true. That's and so, you know, let's not, like, knock him too hard for his opinions on structure, because I, I think he's a fairly structural guy. I mean, he's not an engineer, That's but... That's true. He's got a plan. He's got a plan. You know? Uh, okay, so that was his first introduction with the ghost. You know, this is effectively... the. This he's, is, he's Jacob Marley. Yes. He's the Jacob Marley character, which basically says, you are too much like me. I am suffering as a result of... I am worm food and wasted my life. Yeah. And I'm not going to let you waste yours, and I'm going to punish you if I have to. (laughs) I'm suffering as a result of my choices in life, and you're headed down the same path. You're going to be visited by three ghosts. And like all good stories written by socialists in the 19th century, they need to scare the bourgeoisie into behaving appropriately. Yes. Which I I feel like we're at a dearth of wealth-hounding ghosts. Anybody else feel like that? Yeah. Like, I feel like Bezos and Musk could do with, like... I mean, three ghosts probably wouldn't even do them. Like, I, I feel like they would need a barrage of ghosts over, not a night, but, you know, a week. A week. It's a couple weeks, perhaps. Yeah. Like, a summer a camp of ghosts Would you say? Yeah. to scare the shit out of them into, like, sharing their wealth so, you know, people can eat instead of, you know, trying to fly to space. Die. Uh, Pee in uh, bottles? Like, perhaps. I don't know. I'm just, I'm very pro-ghost is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm with you. I'm very pro-ghost. And I think ghosts can correct a lot of like the sort of socioeconomic problems that we see in society today. You know, yeah. I've I've always been very pro-ghost. I mean, Swayze was amazing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, let's be honest. The modern art of pottery would not be the same without Patrick Swayze no. and Ghost. No, he turned pottery into a rottery. You basically can't sculpt anymore without ghost assistance it's yeah true. right it's it's i mean who the, who the fuck else are you gonna call no i mean you could call like you know there are these like ghostbusters people but like you know but they're realistically it's a, it's a gimmick they're the yeah. enemy in that situation yeah no it's you know there was this guy i mean admittedly he was fairly tall and and kind of puffy you know if you will and um I heard that they killed that guy in the streets of New York in cold blood. Just for being a ghost. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, he was walking around. They shot him. And it was insanely gory. I mean, it made it a massive mess. Oh, there's, you know, white bits of this dude just everywhere. And it was it was paid for with taxpayer, pa- taxpayer dollars. No, it wasn't. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. The city of New York paid for the assassination. You know who would solve that? Ghosts. Yeah. 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 Ghosts. Yeah. In a bottle. Uh, so who is the second ghost that he interacts with? 
shortly thereafter, I believe. Emma Stone. So he thinks he's hooking up with a bridesmaid. Goes back to his room mm-hmm. after laying it on pretty Sees thick. Sees his sheets writhing in pleasure. And he's like, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> and... Boom. Goes the ex-girlfriend. Uh, Emma Stone pops out from underneath his sheets, clearly from 1987. Ironclad in braces, scrunchies, and Farrah Fawcett hair. Uh, yep. yep. Uh, acid-washed jean acid-washed jacket. Acid-washed jean jacket. Uh, it's a good look. And then the uh, black lacy Madonna gloves. Mm. Very clearly. An 80s ex-girlfriend for somebody who was 16. Yeah. Um... So, and she introduces herself as the ghost of girlfriend's past, which is kind of funny. We were talking about she's kind of a side character, but like her character is really the namesake of the movie. Right? Yes. Right. She is the predominant ghost, which I would say is true to the. Oh, yeah. The, a Christmas Carol, yeah, right? Ghost like, of Christmas Past was the big deal. Yeah. That was the one. The other two are sort of flashes in the pan compared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she definitely heralds in the uh, the rest of the story beats and is the through line. Even more so, I think, than Michael Douglas's ghost character. Yes, yes, for sure. But I suppose those two characters kind of working together really kind of stitch his entire journey together for very different reasons. And I think that's like a good example of where it was smart of them to deviate from this sort of like classic Dickens structure, right? Was like Jacob Marley never reappears. Right. But like Michael Douglas's character, Uncle Wayne, reappears constantly. Or not constantly, but... Enough. Enough. You know, a couple of times. He doesn't just go away. And they realize like not only is this character hilariously written super fucking funny, very quippy, and can provide great exposition for what occurred in this person's childhood. But also, we've got Michael Douglas playing him, and he's so fucking funny. And he delivers it so beautifully. And I I think I said earlier, I can't imagine anybody playing the Ghost of Girlfriend's past other than Emma Stone. I can't imagine anybody playing Uncle Wayne other than Michael Douglas. And I I save this for spoilers. It was a Michael Douglas-heavy section of the movie that I saw when I went in for that half an hour and I walked out and I was like, Michael Douglas is so fucking funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I was, I was laughing out loud in the theater. <laughs> and a large part of it is his body language and his delivery. And it's so unique to him. Um, yeah. Like that is his shtick. That mm-hmm. is his style. And I just, I've always, I don't think I've ever seen anything Michael Douglas has done that I didn't enjoy. Yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a great actor. Yeah. So he meets Emma Stone and freaks out a little bit. Yeah. Yep. She takes him into the past at a basement party. And Wait. No, first she takes first, him to prom. No, no, no. She first, sling. No, takes him first, way back. First she takes him to his childhood when he's like oh, nine. yeah. Jennifer Garner's character. Yeah. And Before the spring fling, it was the swing fling. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was a, that was a strong segue. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I suppose that, that is really important because that kind of like shows the genesis of his attachment to Jennifer Garner's character, Jennifer Roddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is what? What's the character's name? Connor. Connor. Connor Mead. Connor, Connor Mead. Yeah. yeah. This version of Connor is before his womanizing. Is before all of his shtick. Well, it was know? before his parents died. Even. Yeah. 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 Um, it was the summer before his parents died. Yeah. So basically, she shows him a scene of him interacting with Jennifer Garner's younger self, where it's very clear that these two young kids, you know, they're probably like nine or so, seven, um, seven or so, they clearly like each other, right? They're best friends and. You know, they're kind of infatuated with each other. And so she she gives him a camera, a which, Polaroid, which ends up kind of being the catalyst for his entire career. Yeah. You know, um, so like it really just kind of establishes early on that like Jenny is 
very special to him. Yeah. Whether he acknowledges it or not, she is very special to him. Well, I think that's kind of important, right? Because then it cuts to a dance where they're like 13 freshmen or so in high school. Middle school. Uh, no, it was in high school because they keep saying like, the woman who blew me off for Pete Hastings in high school. But he, And he was a letterman. But he took her, or uh, Emma Stone took him to Franklin Middle School for the for the spring fling that's where it happened pete hastings just happened to be a freshman in high school oh yeah and he was the older kid and that's why she was he was a ninth grader and that means tongue whoa that's pervy yeah so he went to a middle school to like pick up chicks yeah okay that's gross okay all right i'll i'll follow that uh okay so awkward middle school type age a high schooler invites her to dance, and he does not... <coughs> he chokes. Chokes a little bit. He does not interject as quickly as he probably should have. And he basically gets left on the side of the dance floor while she dances with Pete Hastings. And um, he's a high schooler, so that means tongue. tongue. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So he's heartbroken. I think it transitioned to a scene where he's in a car with Michael Douglas. He gets picked up from the dance. Yeah, and he's like, I, I never, never again, you know, I, I never want to feel this pain again. And that kind of sets him off on his life path. Um, he takes My, him to a club. Uncle he, Wayne takes he, him to a bar. Takes him to a bar, and basically, it's the very first episode of him teaching him how to pick up chicks. And so he ends up kind of disappearing for a couple of years from his school type stuff while his uncle basically teaches him. Brainwashes um, him. Yeah, brainwashes him more or less how to be, you know, an effective womanizer. And um, then he comes back and it cuts to a party at the basement where he brings the new poison, which is the coolest. He He just like throws it. (laughs) Walks in with a leather jacket and goes, hey, so I uh, got the new poison. And then just hucks it at somebody, and suddenly the music cuts, and then jumps into poison, and he locks eyes with Jenny Parati, and then veers a hard right, and picks the first girl that he sees, which happens to be Emma Stone. To be fair, every time I see Jenny Parati, I also take a hard right. Mm -hmm. Left, if it's kind of swinging that way, but, you know, it's... Whatever way takes the least amount of effort. Yeah, six and a half a dozen, right? Whichever pant leg is currently, you know, occupado. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. <laughs> my, my favorite thing is Mark's contributions. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, He's like a Midwestern mom. Whatever you say, dear. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, that sounds, yeah, that sounds nice. So, okay, so <laughs> nice. this is, this is first girlfriend. Girlfriend's a strong word. Uh, but they, excuse me. They dated seconds? for 39 minutes. That's true. Mm. And it was the best two-thirds of an hour of her young adult life. Right. And it's done. <laughs> uh, so that was his first genuine sexual encounter. Which took all of about 60 seconds. Impressive. Like 58 more than me. So, you know. There you go. Good for him. Good for him. <laughs> and I'm married, so. Yeah. <laughs> With kids. With kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> was it that, okay, that wasn't so much Midwestern mom that was like Midwestern grandpa discussing sex. Gotta go down to, oh, gotta go home to Home Depot. Uh, I gotta take the weed whacker. Buckets. Buckets. What do you against buckets? I don't got nothing against buckets. Always got something against buckets. Okay, who's the next ghost? Oh, he's gonna—he's gonna put the ghost in the bucket. 
Oh, oh ghost man. Well, you don't put it in the shell. You put it in a bucket. Put it in a shell. What about a machine? Ghost in the machine? Yeah. That's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. What if you made a bucket into a machine? And then put a ghost in it? Yeah. I believe uh, the abomination that is Mr. Bucket, the child's toy. Oh, um, yeah. I believe that is the bucket machine hybrid that you're searching for. Okay. Um, I know that we are already on a tangent, but <laughs> let me just... Just a little, <laughs> a little bit for subtangent. Yeah, it's a yeah, <clears throat> Mr. Bucket. You yeah. put your balls in my mouth. Is that how it went? Well, you don't put them in his mouth. You put them in his head, the what top were, of the bucket. What were you putting in Mr. Bucket? He spits it out. Why do I remember it that way? I don't remember any of this. Yeah, it does go, Mr. Bucket. They just that's that was definitely the commercial. But then what's the next sentence? I don't know because well, you definitely you put the balls in the top of his head because he's a bucket, and then he spits the balls out. Is this a Midwest thing? No, I think this is like a Hasbro thing. Yeah. Did I did I miss the Mr. I actually, Bucket like era? I I had a Mr. Bucket when I was a kid, and I just got rid of the Mr. Bucket that my parents bought for my children. It's a yeah. It basically he's like a he's like a wee machine that will travel around your kitchen floor, and he's got like little hands that try and block the top of the bucket, and you get these little scoopers, and everybody's got their own colored balls, and you have to like scoop them up put them in his head and then he like he's like scooting around spinning around he's like spitting the balls out yeah you put the balls in my head that sounds more right that sounds like i missed a bucket you put your balls in my head (laughs) something like that all right but we watched it sounded dangerously close to like jones barbecue and foot massage (laughs) yeah you guys seen that now that one i'm familiar with it's so good it's so good I'm gonna have to Google Mr. Bucket. Uh, all right, moving on. All right, we got we got we got a list of the Way... Googlies. Okay, okay, okay. So we talked about Michael Douglas, ghost number one. We talked about Emma Stone, ghost number two. Yes. Yeah, so after the party, Basically. he hooks yeah. up with Emma Stone. Jennifer Garner's character is crushed. She runs away. She's all upset. He doesn't see her for another like you know five or so years, ten years, whatever. And he is now sort of a reasonably successful photographer. He's not. He's working for Herb Brits. Um, so doing well, but he's not like the head of the I mean, he's making thing. 150 grand a year. Yes. Yeah, he hollers it. <laughs> and he's spitting out some like bullshit kind of cheesy lines, just kind of flapping his gums yeah, at these. The long uh, hair, the silk shirt. Yeah. You know, dazed and confused-esque. You know, you know this guy, right? I find, I just, I find beauty everywhere and then I have to just, I capture it, right? Every, every woman is beautiful and I have to discover how and why and what makes them beautiful and then i, I line I, it up I center I frame it, it i line it up i frame it and, and I then focus it and then i shoot it by lincoln <laughs> and he sort of runs into jennifer garner in this bar and they sort of like rekindle their friendship a little bit she knows he's full of shit which is like whether he'd like to admit it or not refreshing for him yeah to like not have somebody just like fall for his well, honestly, goopy I think bullshit he, all the time. I think he sees it as a challenge that must be completed. I think that, but I think also he realizes like, this is truly like the person who gets me. And she's the one and that I, got away. You know, I, yeah. But yeah, I think I think it's, I, I mean, I don't know how deep this goes, but like, it is definitely multifaceted in that like, he's got a crush on her, but it's also a challenge. So like, he's operating like he usually does, trying to better, but he loves her. And is like kind of strung along. Typically, he would be rebuffed, and he would move on more quickly. I think it's both of those things kind of working together. Yeah. And she's trying to like cut through the cheese. There's, there's like a little line where like he's like complaining about the wooing, and she like throws out that like it's not for me. You know. It's, yeah. The, it's for the you. wooing is not for my benefit. Yeah. 
Um, He's never really had to work for a lady before because he is so good at manipulating. Yeah, one would say, yeah. But yeah, so basically in what is one of like the greatest, most on-point lines in any movie ever, he says, what happens next? And Emma Stone says, now we watch a romantic montage of the two of you getting progressively closer set to time after time by cindy lopper <laughs> and i thought i legit thought that that was just a dry joke and it was just one of those things that you she was like oh you know next we're gonna watch a romantic montage of all of the moments of you being close together set to time after time by cindy lopper and then she would be like no we're gonna visit your next ghost nope nope that's exactly what that's happened exactly it what was happened. a romantic montage set to Cindy Lauper's time after time. I was like, this is fucking beautiful. Which is like, just no questions asked, one of the greatest songs that has ever been written or sung. Yeah. That song is so fucking amazing. Greatest slow dance ever. That song, like, oof. I get, I get, I get misty just thinking, thinking about that song. Um, okay, so, yeah, romantic montage. It culminates in them actually, like, hooking up. And it gets called out that he was sort of trying to, like, sneak out. Uh, she convinces him to go back into bed, but he has a sort of, like, last-minute panic and dips out. Because he realizes that he's spooning. Yeah. Which is against the rules of his personal code of conduct. He dips out, and then he ends up... Breaking with, her heart again. Yeah, she's crushed, and... And that's it. I don't think that he sees her again until... Until the wedding. Yeah. And, and Emma Stone sort of says, like, you know... This was when you truly became who you are now, right? Like, your relationships... This is is the moment you became Connor Mead. Yeah, your relationships got progressively shorter, and you stopped caring, and you, you know, basically picked up the pace towards being a sort of world-class asshole. And Um, then we have this great moment. She goes, come on, let me buy you a drink. And so she's, like, comforting him, consoling him, like, rubbing his back. And then they walk through this doorway into this well-lit bar filled with gorgeous women and he's like oh okay yeah i'm i'm all about this what 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 is this and she goes well this is all of your relationships after they became uh, progressively shorter and it's just really easier to do it in bulk and there's like hundreds of women yeah. in this bar and they start introducing themselves and they're like hi we had sex on a plane somewhere over uh, the Atlantic and then somewhere over southern Indiana and then once again in the you know tip of France and they meet another six or eight ex-girlfriends. Is, yeah. the, is the tip of France a location or is that, is that a sex move? I think it's, it's it might thing. be both. But like just, when somebody says just the tip, are they talking about the tip of France? They might be. Yeah. Is that like a croissant? Better than the tip of Italy because that's the point of a boot and that shit hurts. Well, I know, but I'm you know we're not here to yuck anybody's yum. I mean, hey, like... Just every- a tip. Just a, just a tip. Just a tip. I mean, yeah. Isn't the, isn't the tip of Italy, isn't that Sicily? I believe so. <laughs> That's not the boot. Uh... <laughs> Again, Mark's contributions are just... Stellar. Next level. Uh, so he basically... That uh, hurts. <laughs> Much like the tip of a boot. This is this is why we bring it up. Uh, okay, so that really is, I think, the last of the ghost of girlfriend's past. I'm just gonna put this out there as a blanket, sort of like, while he's doing the ghost thing, he is also progressively like ruining the wedding. So things are going like worse and worse. 
beginning with his comments at the rehearsal dinner and sort of like culminating with him wrecking the cake and revealing some information Mm -hmm. that basically got between his brother and his would-be bride. The next ghost is played by... His assistant. (laughs) I don't remember what her name is. He's like pointing at me like, all right, here you go. We're giving you a chance. I was actually just expecting the assistant. You you can be one of the, one of the guys, you know, it's just like, I I don't know. You know, I don't have anything to to offer. Here's, uh, here's some fucking oatmeal, you know, it's not instant. You started off, you started off with the, the, you started off with the next ghost, like five minutes ago before we went on the tangents. And I was like, I was like, all right, all right the next ghost. He's been waiting for his moment. <laughs> Melanie. Was that her name? Yeah. I believe it's Milani. Oh, Milani? Melange. He calls her Mel. That's fair. Yeah. Um, okay, so she is the ghost of Girlfriend's present? Really? Yeah. Just, she's just, she shows him what is happening at the wedding when he's not present. So, like, she shows him kind of what people are saying behind his back and what people really think of him. Um, even the women who were, like, swooning over him earlier, it's it's shown that, like, they have no illusions that he is just a fuckboy and he's actually a piece of shit. And they all laugh about him behind his back. And this was news to him. You know, he yeah, never really I, considered that. I think it was kind of, like, powerful for him to be, like, he really thought, like, all of his, like, smug, smarmy bullshit... Actually worked. Yeah, worked on people. And I feel like he didn't anticipate so many people being able to see through it. Yeah, they, they were just... And all of these women reveal that they didn't care that he didn't care about them. They just wanted to get laid and say that they got to sleep with Connor Mead. Right. It's yeah. a hard life. Yeah. Stiff life. Yep. <laughs> Uh, what else does she show him? <laughs> does she show him anything else about? Oh my god! You know? Oh my god! Uh, life? yeah. I mean, uh, there was a brief scene with the women that he broke up with in over you know, conference call. In the conference oh, call that we we like alluded to earlier, um, sort of. Yeah, but no, nothing else. I think sort of substantively came out of Ghosts of Girlfriends present. And then Ghosts of Girlfriend's Future doesn't speak, as is, again, sort of canon with the Christmas Carol. And then basically shows him what you would expect. Basically, the three big things are Jenny marries this guy that she met at the wedding, this very handsome doctory guy, Brad, who is mucho handsome. Yes. He's, that dude is, he is a, he is a big old beefcake. And then his brother does not end up marrying his, again, would-be bride because of the conflict that Connor created and the information that he revealed. And his brother's miserable as a result. And nobody other than his brother attends his funeral and he fucking dies alone and, you know, miserable. And that's, I think, pretty much the end of the ghost thing. Yeah, like and his his uncle Wayne shows up during the, the funeral bit and he's like, this is how it ends for guys like us. You sleep around, you make no connections, you don't have any lasting friends and nobody comes to see you. And he's like, you don't get a big funeral. And Connor says something to the effect of, I wasn't expecting big, but I was expecting more than one. Yeah, his brother is the only one yeah. that shows up to it. I'll be there for you guys. You know what? I will come at your funerals. I appreciate that. That's gross. <laughs> right right into the ashes if you could. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, you got to glue them together somehow. Yeah. So you can do the ghost sculpting. Exactly. Right? And make... I'll, a rottery. I will... A <laughs> rottery. 
Yep. <laughs> yep. Okay. Yep. I'm gonna make you into a sexy ashtray. Ooh, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Erotery. Is that a band name or is oh, that? Oh, that's absolutely a band name. Or is is Erotery the hit single by McConaughey? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, that's put together. That's by... that is really nicely put. So yeah, I would say that is the title track. Yeah, that is yeah. Yeah, definitely like the namesake track of the album. Yeah, right? like, there's the album and the. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah, uh, it's all together. So, uh, but I think one of the big parts for him with uh, Ghost Girlfriend's future is he's trying to grapple with the fact that not only is he going to die alone, but his brother, who he has like influenced his entire life, is also alone in old age. So he's he's trying to grapple with it's not just about him his heart is breaking for someone that he actually is realizing that he loves yeah the one thing he really like has consistently loved with the exception of jenny even though he's pretended not to he's always been there for his brother and they talk about like how he basically raised his brother yeah he and his brother had this phrase that they would say to each other all the time every time they saw each other it was it's you and me against the world yeah and yeah, so in standard sort of Dickens fashion, he realizes the errors of his ways, and he tracks down the bride, makes things right. Can I throw in, uh, there's just one little spot that I absolutely love when he wakes up out of his bed, and this takes it straight out of Dickens, like word for word. <laughs> yeah, right. He jumps up out of bed, and he's like, oh man, I didn't miss it. And then he runs to the window, throws open the window, there's this little kid shoveling snow outside, and he goes... Boy, what day is it today? Is it Christmas? And the kid goes, No, you moron, it's Saturday. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> Kids it's these days. They don't even run down and get you a Christmas goose anymore. Right? Yep. What the fuck is going on with kids? So, so from that scene, he runs downstairs and is quickly made aware that through his influence, the wedding has been called off. And the bride is is leaving. So that's his like his redemption moment. Is you know he chases after the bride and convinces her that her shutting down her feelings to cope with what she's going through is the same mechanism that he uses in his life to keep everyone at bay. And he like shares this moment of empathy with her that is like totally out of character for for him. And uh, Jennifer Garner's character happens to be in the car that he had like stopped in its tracks, and they kind of roll the windows down. So she gets to kind of hear him. She gets to hear his heart bleed. Yeah, yeah, and at, at many points throughout the movie, she calls out that, like, she's one of the few people that, that knows that there's a good person in there, even though she doesn't have any evidence for it. But yeah, so he gives that speech to her, and then we cut to the wedding. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's pretty, like, straightforward. Like, everything goes swimmingly. He decides to shoot the wedding as a, the wedding photographer, and in the end, he and Jennifer Garner end up getting together after he sort of professes his love for her, and she finally believes him um, after he shows her the very first photo he ever took with the camera that she gave him, which was of her. He kept it all these years. Very... Which he did say he would. Yep. He said, I will keep this forever. And Emma Stone's Stone's impression of him is so good. She, like, puts her hands out. She's like, I am going to keep this forever. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, I don't don't, don't think I said that. And she's, like, rewinding it. She rewinds it. it. And he goes, that's the kind of goofy, fruity shit that my brother would say. Mm -hmm. I am going to keep this forever. Every, he's so fucking funny. Ugh. I think the other thing is like maybe it's a kind of like an every middle school kind of thing, but she also has like kind of like Midwest type nasaliness in this that she really leans into it. And it's funny as fuck. Uh, okay, so roll credits. I would say after yep. that, yeah. Yep. Uh, what do we like about this? 
I, I liked how quippy it was. Oh, yeah. I, know. I mean, that is really what keeps you there. Like, you know how the movie's going to progress. You know the beats that it's going to take realistically, you know, because you've, you've seen A Christmas Carol and you've seen a rom-com. This movie lives and dies on the one-liners and the quips. Which made it really hard to select quotes for this movie. Oh, my God. Yeah, so the, many. The dialogue is just fucking sparkling. Oh. Sparkling. Yeah. No, I, I, absolutely. So th- I think that was the thing that I enjoyed the most. What about you guys? Uh, for me, I would say right after the quips, it was, honestly, it was just the originality that they brought to a very tried and true, I've, I've said this a couple times already, but like the fact that they were able to take a classic rom-com and a classic story like Christmas Carol and bring their own originality to it. Like, it's not about being miserly. It's not about hoarding wealth. It was about being addicted to sex and shallow relationships. And it really took that and used that classic framework to be like, hey, you're a piece of shit. You might have had a lot of fun, but here's what you're doing to the people around you. And this is what happens when you treat people like they're disposable. But I loved that they were able to take that and put it in a modern context and still make it really enjoyable to watch. It didn't feel like I was watching the same movie that I've already seen 10, 15, 20 times. So I I loved the originality in the concept. I agree mm-hmm. on both points. Super original, using well-worn stock material, and then also the quippiness of the dialogue and the the writing was just fucking incredible. Also, some sort of like nuance shit that I like. Uh, first of all, the fucking soundtrack <laughs> slayed in this movie. The fucking like Cindy Lauper, Ario D- Speedwagon, Devo. Duran Duran, Poison, Elvis, yeah, like the, the fucking soundtrack yeah. slayed, and it was like I don't know. I feel like a lot of times the soundtrack is sort of like in the background. I think they did a great job at putting it in the foreground and like and it making was, it intentional. Yeah, it was part of what was happening, and it actually like played a role, which was really awesome. Also, I so when he's going through the ghosts of girlfriends past, when he's with Emma Stone, they're like traveling on a bed. <laughs> And I just thought that was such a creative device to, like, sort of take them from place to place. I really, really enjoyed that. It's silly. Yeah. It, it's uh, topical, too, because... Right. Exactly. Yeah. So the first transition, they disappear through the wall and then just, like, show up, right? And then the second transition, when they're showing up at the middle school, they literally drive up in the bed as if it were a station wagon. Yeah, and, right. like, it parks, and you even see the brakes arrest as they come to a stop. Like, it was fucking beautiful. It was a really, like, funny, clever device. That it I was, was just really like, great. I feel like, I don't know, I feel like if I was in that writer's room, I wouldn't have thought of it. Well, and they, you know? ca- <laughs> like, they called attention I was surprised it. by it. They right. called attention to it, too, with the, the Ghost of Girlfriends present, because he's in the car with Mel when she introduces him. She's like, hey, I'm the Ghost of Girlfriends present. So... She's getting ready to take him on this journey, and he, like, braces himself against the dashboard of the car, and she's like, what are you doing? He's like, aren't we gonna, like, fly out of here or something? She goes, no, I'm the ghost of Girlfriend's present. It's literally happening right now. We're here. In the present. (laughs) (laughs) She gets out of the car, and he, like, yeah, it's good. Also, so this is the second, I believe, episode in a row where we're referencing this, but this movie had a great use of the theremin. Yes! Every time, a, like, he was interacting with one of the ghosts for the first time, you'd get this, like, mm-hmm. like, this, like, you know, spooky music played by the theremin. It was and so it, cheesy in it, the it, best way. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. effective. Like, it was, it was a very, 
like cheap and easy way and playful kind of way to signal like he's interacting with something you know supernatural and spooky which i thought was you know it's it's it it's, worked on the subject it's yeah. tried and true right it's tested and it works and they used it and i loved it on the subject i fixed my theremin and i got it to work noise so now i have to figure out how to play it I, mm. I don't know how much can you do, do you tune it do you take lessons i don't know but i'm sure there's a youtube tutorial the casting of this movie is fucking perfect. Oh, the casting was amazing. The casting we've, was just... We've talked about how wonderful Michael Douglas is. Jennifer Garner, Matthew McConaughey, Emma Stone. <laughs> like, like going down the list, you got Matthew McConaughey, who is, like, supposed to be sleek, sexy, and articulate. Perfect. Like, like intelligent and sexy, which McConaughey fucking nails. Perfect. You've got Jennifer Garner, whose character is supposed to be very type A, extremely, like competent and sort of self-possessive but she's also and supposed to have that quiet sexuality of the girl next door oh for yeah. sure for sure but she's like basically the only one like through her like sort of smarts and her self-possession and, and self-control is the only one who can sort of like resist his smarmy bullshit mm -hmm. and just fucking perfect for jennifer garner you've got emma stone who plays this like over-the-top, goofy caricature of a middle school girl circa 1987, and she fucking nails it. And then you got Michael Douglas, who's, like, sort of smooth... Coolest man in the world. Yeah, smooth exactly. like whiskey over stones. Yeah, man. Like, I mean, you just... just you know, every fucking line was delivered like he had planned it ahead of time. Like, he watched the scene, and he went took notes... And he's like, this is what I'm going to say. Like, he just fucking even Lacey, slides it in. Even Lacey Chabert playing, like, the really... Slides it in. Nice. Oh. Because <laughs> nice. of the sex. Yeah, it's sex. A, it's a sex thing. <laughs> Penis. Um, <laughs> so, even... But even Lacey Chabert playing, like, the really high-strung, overstressed Bridezilla... She, like Lacey has oh, yeah. that great manic energy mm -hmm. that was just perfect for she's that. Right role. on the edge, she should yep, snap she, at any just, moment. Ah, just like <laughs> like a like a G string on a guitar. It's always the first one to break. I'm glad he said on a guitar, right? Because right. that's because there are there are a couple of different kinds of those. Yeah, are there? Yeah, they have G strings. Oh. Yeah. It's it's true. Uh, oh. Where <laughs> yep, I'll have to, yep, I'll have to Google that. When did the movie Mean Girls come out? Oh God, because uh, she because she channels that energy yes i want to say that was like early 2000 2002 maybe 2004 okay yeah, yeah. it's it, the is, character preceded, that she plays that preceded this by probably five to eight years yeah. but you're right uh what was her name in mean girl in mean girls mean girl three uh, fair yeah. um yeah gretchen yeah that yes. just like you know wide-eyed like yeah that was know. uh she was the one who was like Stop trying to make this a thing. Stop trying to make make fetch happen. Fetch happen. Yes. <laughs> it will never be a thing. Yep. Uh, okay, so Emma Stone. We already talked about how amazing she was in, as cast. She her expressions, <laughs> like you know, when she was delivering lines, but not just that. Like when you watch the movie, like fucking watch her in the background. His response to some of the things that she's showing him, and his like sort of, oh my god, this guy's not getting it. Like he's watching his personal atrocities. And he's, he's loving like, he's it. He's into it. He's like he's really loving it. He's like taking notes. And, and he's like, wait, wait, I love this part. Yeah, and her face behind him is so like incredulous. At certain it's points, it's really good. At certain points, she's just looking at him in just disarmed bewilderment. Like, how the <laughs> fuck are you not figuring out what is happening? What right is now? wrong with you? Um, also, this is a pro tip. This movie will more than anything else I think I've ever watched 
more than Mad Men, more than anything. This movie will make you want to drink. <laughs> this movie is like, I mean, every 30 seconds, somebody's drinking a scotch or champagne or a, a cocktail. This movie is just chock full of alcohol, so you'll be sitting there and you'll be like, God, I could, I could use a whiskey sour right Jennifer now. Jennifer <laughs> Garner actually calls attention to that in the wedding rehearsal. She's like, see, this always happens. All scotch and no carbs. Does somebody have any bread? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there anything we didn't like? You know, I always struggle with this because I don't want to rag on a movie that I enjoyed so much, but I have to find something. Yeah, okay. Um, tell you what, circle back to me. I'll find something. Okay. I mean, my like the only thing I could do would be nit- to nitpick and like to nitpick silly bullshit. It's like it's kind of like what we talked about. It's like, is this the greatest movie I've ever seen? No. But if every individual aspect is like over the fifty percent mark, I feel weird complaining about it. Um, you know, silly shit. Like when the archer lady shoots the arrow off her head, the arrow in the picture is clearly going at like a different angle than it would have if she was like shooting directly at her. And it's like, who the fuck cares? It's a movie about ghosts. Right. You know, and it's like, it's, I'm just splitting hairs at that point. Like, it's so dumb to complain about. So, yeah, I don't necessarily have any complaints about the movie. I think that the, the womanizing aspects when this movie came out, 2009 were meant to be icky. I think flash forward to 2023, they're even more icky. So it it's it's an intentional part of the movie. So it's, it's not a criticism. It's just, I don't know how well this movie would receive today if it came out in theaters with today's kind of climate. Yeah. No, I think, I think what you're saying is like, I think there are like, there is a contingent of people who like can't take a fucking joke. Yeah. And like, I think oftentimes, you know, those people can exist. And so it's like a sort of, echo chamber of like we're all like enraged about this because we didn't find this to be a joke and it's like yeah but it was so like calm down a little bit yeah you know like Like, but it's not criticism of the movie because it it fit at that time i honestly think it fits today like i think i there's nothing in this movie that it'd be like that is wildly inappropriate by today's standards i think it's fun i think it's funny i feel like if because like you're you're right it's supposed to be it's supposed to be icky right you're not supposed to like they weren't glorifying this guy's behavior like the whole point is he's the like only one he's as was, bad as Ebenezer Scrooge. The only <laughs> one that was glorifying his behavior was him. Right. Um right. and I feel like if this movie were to come out today, if this if this movie were to be released this weekend, I feel like a lot and I'm going to be generalizing here and I'm welcome to criticism. I feel like a lot of people of the female persuasion would find this movie very relatable and also very aggravating. You think? Yeah. I I feel like a lot of women that I know would have seen this movie and said, yes, this is what is wrong. This needs to stop. You know, like they would get righteously angry about it. I feel like it's hard. Like, I don't know. But I mean, it is It is also... It's hard it's, to get angry about something when, like, the movie itself is going like, this, this, is, is, this is This is the wrong thing. This yeah. is the, you know, this is the behavior that we need to change. I don't know. I know a lot of people, like men and women, who've seen this movie, and I don't know anybody who's got a problem with it. Okay. Even though I do think, on a on a broad scale, I'm I think there is probably a contingent of people who like. Listen, if you can't take a fucking joke, don't watch a comedy. Yeah. Go yeah. watch go watch a documentary that's gonna depress you and it's gonna bring you down about the horrors of the world. Sometimes the horrors of the world need need to be laughed at. Yeah. Look at, you know, sometimes a shit sandwich through like rose colored glasses. Yeah. You know, it, I think sometimes when people are looking for things to be outraged about, they rarely catch the context. And I think 
this movie, given its context, I don't see anything wrong with it with with regard to what I was just mentioning. Yeah. But no, I what, maybe snow continuity in the beginning, you know? I, yeah. I don't really have any criticisms. No, I don't have any major criticisms. So, I will say the same thing that I've said many times, and that is that the cinematography was not interesting. I would... I'm going to push back on that. Please do. I'm I'm, I'm also going to push back on that as well. As can sometimes be a hallmark of a good sub-Christmas Carol genre, I felt like there was some interesting transitions between scenes. You know, it wasn't sweeping vistas, but I did think that some of the the transitions had more creativity. They had a snapshot segue when he was taking the pictures. Yeah. it's They used the last snap of the camera as the change to the next scene. I also felt like the opening sequence, opening high and sweeping down into the city and in through the window was a fairly creative shot. But what specifically were you... So this movie came out in 2009. Allegedly. Allegedly. I think they could have been more creative with some of the overarching shots. Now, I will say this in uh, opposition to my own argument that if you try to get too creative with the cinematography and too creative with the shots, it detracts from the actual substance. So leaving it to stand on its own is important. But I feel like they could have had more moments of sweeping camera like you'd see from President's Men or West Wing, you know, the the walk-and-talk camera. Specifically, I'm thinking of the bar scene with Connor and Jenny, where he's basically chasing Jenny out to the street. And he's begging, he is begging for another shot. Mm -hmm. And he settles for dinner. And the shot was just a side pan. They just panned with them. Good good pan, though. It was a cast iron. Yeah. Bit of a Peter. But I feel like it could have been more interesting if they had had a little bit more mobility with it. You know, move from her as they're walking, focus on him as they get to the door. Mm. You know, just a little, just a skosh, just a splash more creativity with the shots. It is a very nitpicky thing. I was going to say, I think that's splitting hairs. It is extremely nitpicky, but that's... If you had to drum something up. If I had to drum something up, if somebody if somebody said, gun to your head, find something you don't like about this movie. Yeah. Really? I disagree with the point, but I appreciate your effort in trying to find something critical. Because I, I don't like us leaving everything on the table of like, you know, oh, there's nothing we didn't like, you know, and like walking away from it. And I like, I do, I do try and, you know, think of shit, but this is a super biased sample we're dealing with. It's like they're all movies from my collection that, like, you know, uh, I already know a lot of them. But, um, no, I I, I do appreciate you trying to find something. And I will say this, there's nothing wrong with this movie. Right. And I was going to say, like, it, it says something that, like, your criticism is a suggestion of improvement not even like this is a detriment to the movie. This yeah. is just something that I think this could have been a little bit better if they had done this. That's different than saying this fell flat. Right. I agree. So, are, are we are we learning? Are we ready to go to I, quotes? I believe we are. Yeah, let's uh, let's quote this biatches. Um uh let's see here, I got two. Um That's uh one more than one. Actually, it's not. It's it's two less than four. But I, I appreciate. Ah, okay, you know, yeah. you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're right, you're it's right. close. It's close. You know. <laughs> uh, Barry, I'm still learning. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it will never get old. No. <laughs> so my quotes. Man, what was the context of this quote? So this was the uncle. I'm just gonna spit it out, then you guys can kind of contextualize it because you know this this is different. Uh, so players never die. They just try their luck at a different table. No, that was in reference 
to Bill Douglas's character in the bathroom, I think. Yeah, for the, for the first time. And he calls him out. It's like, you're dead. You're dead. You're dead. And then, like, it just kind of throws it out there. And it's like, oh, that's that bars right there. My next one is, well, this was also the uncle, I think. And this is toward the end where we're seeing that Connor dies alone. And the uncle makes the comment to him, you know, you, you made your bed. Now you got to bang whatever crawls into it. <laughs> Fucking great. <laughs> so good. It's so good. I, you know, it's funny. I, like, I've seen this movie, like I said, like 10 times. And I knew every line in this movie just about. That one, I actually didn't notice until this time. That one was actually pretty pretty novel to me. <laughs> I like heard it and I was like, oh fuck, did he say what I think he just said? <laughs> okay, so I'm going to lead off with my absolute favorite fucking quote from this movie. And I quote this all the time in my like day-to-day life. And nobody knows what the fuck I'm saying. And it's really frustrating. So hopefully some of the listeners of this podcast will take this and start to like move it forward, propagate it, be fruitful and multiply. Anyway, so Connor Mead, Matthew McConaughey's character, as we've said, is sort of a, a legendary figure, both from his like work life. He's very famous for being a photographer, makes a lot of money, but also for his personal life. He's this big womanizer. He can get any chick he wants, yada, yada. And so when he gets to the dress rehearsal and he's meeting people, his younger brother's work buddies are there and they're, you know, sort of pallid and pasty and nerdy. And Uber nerds. Uber nerds. And they, you know, have heard of the legends of Connor Mead. And so they're all very nervous and they're all like, hi, it's, it's so great to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And it gets to the last guy and he goes, it's nice to meet you. Damn it. And he, like, he just, like, he says, instead of, it's nice to meet you, he goes, it's nice to meet you. And then there's, like, this, like, a split-second pause, and he just goes, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> like, just so defeated, like, oh, my God, I fucked it up. Like, clearly, he I had my shot in the mirror, <laughs> yeah. and he was just like, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it. And then he said, it's nice to meet you. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> Just the immediate regret. <laughs> I, I don't know who the fuck that guy was that, that played that character, but he nailed that line. <laughs> Mice to eat you. Damn it. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, the bride has been mentioned. What's her name? Lacey Chabert. Lacey Chabert. She's like very high energy. She's kind of like, I don't mean this in a, like, a mean way, but I'm sorry. She's like, she's kind of squirrely, if that makes sense. Like she's, she's like got like yeah no, if she were like sense. you know if she were an anthropomorphized animal she would be a squirrel yep it's high energy kind of squeaky and um she's like a bit of a bridezilla as has been mentioned and at one point she freaks out because there were no figs on the salad and she was like they were calming her down and she starts to calm down she goes and she's talking to the whole crowd she's like i'm sorry i'm sorry it's my wedding and i'm, I'm not usually a, a massive bitch <laughs> to which her husband to be makes the yeah yeah with his yeah, hands. it's not yeah. sure. And then my other one is one another like one of my fucking favorites is this is right after Connor basically has this bridesmaid just drooling over him and he basically sends her upstairs to get ready for sex without him, which is like what the fuck? <laughs> like anyway, so he like sends her upstairs and then he very coolly says like, and that son is how it's done. And he says this to the bartender, and the bartender just looks at him like, oh, oh, speak to me, Sage One, and he goes. Does it work on guys? And then, like, he just takes a step back and he just goes, probably. <laughs> like, he, just, he just, like, he thinks about it for, like, maybe, like, two seconds, you know, really process it, ch- processes it, chews on it. And he's, yeah, probably. <laughs> Amazing. It's on is how it's done. Does it work on guys? Probably. <laughs> yeah. So, 
Is is that all you got? Yeah, that's me. That's okay. me. I'm tapped out. Um, so this movie is insanely quotable, and I wanted to get as many of them down as I could, so I got six, but I'm going to narrow it down to four. So the first one, to put it in context, uh, very beginning of the movie, he's walking through the floor for the Vanity Fair cover shoot and sees all these beautiful models walking around in their lingerie, and these two girls walk out, and they're like, hey, Connor, are we still on for dinner? And he's like, oh, sorry. Sorry, babes. Uh, you know, I got a thing, right? So his assistant, Mel, she goes, you want me to book them? Yes. Separately or together? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. That sets up his character pretty well. <laughs> the second one is when Uncle Wayne's ghost is explaining to him that he's going to be visited by three ghosts, setting up the premise. says, just remember, it's all for your own good. And the stuff that's not for your own good, that's for my entertainment. Oh, yeah, <laughs> such a good line. <laughs> Number three, he finally wears Jenny down in that bar and agrees. So he starts off with sex and then follows up with, okay, dinner and sex. Okay, fine, dinner. And she says, okay, dinner on one condition. We got to button you up. You look like a gay pirate. <laughs> so good. Which is like extra funny when you're watching the scene because he totally does he like, totally you're, does you're like you're like he looks funny i don't know why he he's looks, got the he long looks so different he's like, got 20 inches of hair and he's got a patterned silk shirt that's unbuttoned halfway like down. literally to the bottom of his sternum <laughs> like all the way you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and my last favorite he's confronted the bride and the bride has just found out that her husband-to-be has slept with one of the bridesmaids in the past and she is freaking out she's gonna call off the wedding and he's like, look, if you're eliminating anybody that your bridesmaids may have slept with, you got to go abroad to get a husband. <laughs> he doesn't pull punches. That's just an absolute slap in the face. Mm-hmm. She's in the midst of this existential crisis the night before her wedding. And he's just like, look, your bridesmaids are sluts. And yeah, they slept with your husband. You're going to have to get over it. Listen, we all need slutty bridesmaids. Yeah. Right? right. Like, right. if we lose the fat bottom girls, we're going to have to rely on slutty bridesmaids to make the rockin' world go round. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm calling, climate change is affecting all aspects of our lives. Absolutely. And, and fat bottom girls are at, uh, they're at risk. They're an endangered species. They are. But luckily... Slutty bridesmaids have, have remained relatively stable. And yeah. we may have to rely on them for, for sustenance. Fuel, at least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, are we ready to move on to ratings? Yeah, let's uh, let's let's yeah. rate this. Let's rate this. Um, I'm going to jump in there. I'm going to give this bad boy a 7.1 layers of wedding cake. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, 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 uh-huh. okay, okay, okay. It's topical. It's topical. I am going to give this movie a... 6.8 William Tells. Mm, I like it. It's a, yeah. It's a little bit little, a little deeper. S- a little subtle. That's, yeah. like, that's like a cut and a cut. Yeah. Oh, actually, you know what? No, no, no. I'll change that to Billy Tells because that's actually what he says in the movie. It's a nod to our friend Billy Tell. Mm-hmm. That's a deep cut. I am going to give this... See, and I, I have a number chosen, but I don't have a metric chosen, which was a grave mistake on my part. I mean, you have like a dozen different uh, identifiable alcoholic beverages. To I know, from if you, and if you so chose, I'm gonna give this an 8.2 double-fisted Scotch on the rocks. Whew. That's 
multiple fists. Well, that's right, yeah, because there's that scene where he's like, yeah, he's all just, right, here we go. He takes one off the tray and takes a second one and says, keep him coming. And then within the span of about five minutes, we've seen him pound at least six double scotch on yeah. the rocks. Yep. I love this movie. This movie was fantastic. I believe it is time for our scene score. Scene score. Scene score. <laughs> I think we maxed out the thing again. We, we, might, we, <laughs> might get, we might get a bit of reverb. It sounded good on our end. Yeah. It's it's probably not going to sound so good recorded. but That's huh. for our dear listeners to decide. It is. It is. And maybe they should be here. Maybe we should be recording in front of a live studio audience. Ooh. Yeah. I blame them for that. You know. They're I, not here is the problem. It's true. They're not here. And they're too far apart. The fuck? Bruh. Bruh. Uh, okay. So, scene score. Um, we had a surprisingly low familiarity with this movie. We had a 2 out of 10 on the familiarity score, which is Very way, low. way lower than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Our average rating was 7.4. All right. Um, which I think, yeah. We had a decent spread, though. I mean, yeah. 6, 2, 7, 1, 8, 2. Nope. Yes. Uh, and with that sort of low familiarity, we would recommend seeing this a little bit you know, sooner rather than later. So the adjusted score, the scene score is 8.3. So you got an 8.3 on Ghosts of the Girlfriend's Past. Mm. That feels that feels right. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I would say, like, I actually thought this movie was going to be one of those that, like, lost points due to familiarity. Um, I really thought that, like, it was going to be, like, taken down a peg because, you know, as good as it is, as much as we liked it, you know, it's going to be like, well, everybody's seen that. And I was kind of surprised at how unfamiliar people were. So I was like, yeah, if you're unfamiliar with this, like you rush out there and go and see it because it's it's funny and quick. Yeah. Now before we wrap for the night, I do have a quick shout out. Wait, to are we throw are we rapping? Are we getting in a rap battle? Yeah. Hip 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 You don't stop the rock with the bang bang. Up up the beat. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Thank you. Yeah. It's like he read my mind. Uh. So. Certainly wasn't reading a script. No. <laughs> no, you could tell how like my eyes like went cross-eyed for a second there. <laughs> um, so my dear friend Grace uh, reached out to us after uh, listening to our podcast for the first time. She decided, upon my personal recommendation, to listen to my very favorite episode, Tokyo Gore Police. I cannot believe you had her lead with that. That was, <laughs> that was, a, that was a bold move. <laughs> it's like, you see how deep this pool gets? Here, you pushed her in. Yep, yep, yep. This is the deep end. Work your way back. My. So she she decided to listen to Tokyo Gore Police. And uh, she... I like her thoughts on it. Yeah. A lot. I like yeah. her thoughts on it a lot. Yes. Specifically, what did she say that she was unsure about well, in this? She said... Go ahead, Mark. I don't know what kind of crack acid the people who made that movie were on, but it's definitely interesting to hear about. Yeah. LOL. Yeah. 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 I... Mark's delivery really... He that really that sold it. I'm yeah. sorry, Grace. That wasn't meant to be derogatory. That sounded exactly like Grace. Oh my god! I literally thought Grace was sitting next to me. Well, D- goosebumps. Grace and I go way back. Yeah, uh, from when I first read the email to you go to back to June 4th, 2023 at 4:45 p.m. 4:45. That's, that's I mean, a minute. You know what? I know what Grace was doing at 4:45 uh, p.m. What was everyone else doing? Yeah. And why haven't you also sent an email? Mm-hmm. Just saying. You're so sl- you're slacking. So Except for Raphael and Tim, you guys are. You guys are doing great. Yeah. So Grace had a couple movies that she recommended that we watch and review. And I have seen the very first one that she recommended, which was Repo the Genetic Opera. 
I have um, also seen that. I own that in three different formats really? and watch it regularly. Holy shit. I, I also own that on the DVD. Mm-hmm. That's a... Uh, what yep. is that? I have, I have <laughs> DVD and Blu-ray and digital copy. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, well, did they all come together? No, I bought it three separate times. Wow. <laughs> uh, a great movie. I don't know if it necessarily fits the format of the show. I think Tokyo Gore Police is definitely similar to, to Repo. In a lot of ways, But yes. I think the yes. part of the reason why we reviewed Tokyo Gore Police was because I had never seen it. Yeah. And so I really, like, did not know what to expect and didn't know how far it deviated from, like, the expected this, style of movie that we were going not, after. This was not a Kurosawa. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> So, so while Repo is amazing, and I love it, I don't know totally. I don't know if, if it fits the flavor. But I, I do like the fact that she's going for other movies that people should check out if they like Tokyo Gore because Police. If you so maybe we should frame it that way. Yeah. Like, if you enjoyed the episode on Tokyo Gore Police, go and watch it. But also, Grace's Rex hit high notes in that genre, so Absolutely. check it out. And what were those two Rex again? The, had, uh... the second one was the embrace of the vampire which was released in 95 now she describes this as the least sexy softcore vampire erotica you'll probably ever see i mean if you throw enough qualifiers at it anything is the somethingest you'll ever see right yeah. now <laughs> but this I, is this the is somethingest you'll probably ever ever like, see. like this movie was probably the greatest christmas carol rom-com fusion Starring Matthew McConaughey that you'll ever see. It's true. <laughs> Is it though? Is it though? It's also the least sexy Christmas Carol rom-com starring Matthew McConaughey fusion I've ever seen in my life. Fewer true. vampires, for sure. That's true. You know. Now, I have not seen uh, The Embrace of the Vampire, so I cannot speak to what the flavor of that movie is for this podcast. Okay, so... This is this is a mature podcast. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna toss this out there because we're talking about vampire softcore, right? Uh, uh, vampire blowjobs. I'm putting pass on that. Are, are we? Are we? Yeah. I think that I would have to as well. I think I would have to put the kibosh on vampire blowjobs. You know, I, I appreciate. I feel like I would have to know. Yeah, but I, I appreciate the thought. I don't appreciate the follow through. I think if I was already a vampire, then the risk is null. It depends on if you're living in a universe where if a vampire takes the blood of another vampire, they die, right? Like, those true. those universes exist. Then you're, like, fairly safe, because you're, like... Because no. you're no, the one... No you, risk of you, getting bitten. No risk at all. It is 100% risk on the giver. Right. If you are a human in this scenario, all of the risk is on you. That's true. So, it's a bold move, but, like, it could I, be I don't like, know... You, you know the, the commercial with the, with the owl and the lollipop and yeah. how many licks does it take? Like, I feel like that could play out. I How many blowjobs does it take to turn somebody into a vampire one two and then she bites her dick off yeah <laughs> or he the, i don't know the dickless vampire you'd go down in history forever well, you wouldn't be going because down you'd live long. forever yeah, yeah no i you know what that's a good point right like you have to think about your the way you get converted because if you get converted by getting your dick bitten off you're never living it down nope. and i'm not talking about like oh you just have to survive until after middle school it's like no no nope. like Etern That's eternity forever. eternity that shit is forever you're the covens will be laughing at you until the day that you accidentally walk out onto your porch in florida and burn to a crisp dickless the impaler yes Ooh. Oh, that's what, not what would, Okay, we got to think of one good dickless vampire pun. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know, just count eunuch. I don't know. Unicula? <laughs> 
I Is that wish, it? Did I get it? Is I <laughs> wish I had a wiener. <laughs> Jackson's laughing. Know. Or like uh, like <laughs> like the count from Sesame Street. You know, he's like one. Oh, never mind. I never count to one anymore. I am Castracula. There we go. Castracula. There you go. That's it. Castracula. Um, is that our third band? Could I be. believe so. Could yes. Be. Okay. So are we Lordern? Yeah. I'm Lordern. We gotta. We gonna bake this potato. Yeah. Or is this potato baked? I guess is the real question. It's the. It's been baked. Yeah. It's been baked. It's mushed. Mashed. Well, mushy and squishy. <laughs> mushy and squishy. <laughs> I think we should leave that one for the viewers to discover when they watch this movie. <laughs> Little Easter egg. Mushy and squishy. Goddamn mushy and squishy. Well, that is all for the All Corrupt Review. Thank you for listening. If you have any ideas for uh, movie reviews or, like Grace did, other movies that sort of are in the same vein of movies that we've reviewed, that's really awesome. And please send those in like Grace did, which I would say was fairly graceful. Yeah. It was definitely the saving grace of this podcast. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Grace. You you were amazing, Grace. I'm sorry. (laughs) 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 That was Castracula laughing. Okay, or if you want to get involved and contribute to the scene score and get a sneak peek of upcoming movies uh, by taking a short weekly-ish survey, please sign up for our newsletter. You can find that on our website at TMAAB, as in three men and a basement, dot podbean.com. Or you can email us at three, that is the number three, men and a basement at gmail.com please be sure to check out the arizona tea party mm. oh, um which man. they are you know it's it's all about effort with them yeah. right they, they don't accomplish much no but they try and they try and they try and uh, tickets are only 99 cents and they said they are they will never raise the price of those tickets so that's good on principle and then uh obviously the big name though on that tour is mcconaughey oh. um and they're I'm so good. I'm so excited for McConaughey. Yeah, they just released that new single, Erotery, mm. and it's God. it's it's big. It's sticky, but it's it, it'll stick in your mind if you know what I'm saying. This ain't your mama's pot. Uh, and then there is a burlesque style sexual opening act done by this. Let's call him undead guy, Castracula, and he uh, yeah he does kind of like burlesque comedy. Doesn't wear pants, which. You know, sounds weird when you hear it, but check it out and you'll you'll understand. Yeah, you'll get it. They're all on tour now, and you can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. Until then, I'm Colin McLeod. Mark up, Action Jackson. And uh, we'll see you in cyberspace. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>